0: So I can't compare myself to someone who is a full-time travel blogger or a full-time travel consultant or a full-time travel vlogger. Like That is their job and mine is currently a business, but it's a side business. It's not my full-time focus. So I always try to just temper everything I'm doing with. I can't do it all. Hi,
1: my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week, I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success.
0: We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of of nine years.
1: And struggle.
0: I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet, and I I did it. And what they learned along the way give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not going to happen overnight and you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay.
1: So grab a coffee, hit subscribe and get ready to learn and feel inspired. My name is Kara, and welcome to episode 38 of the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. Being a full-time entrepreneur is not for everyone. There are benefits to maintaining your full-time job while building your own business on the side, and today's guest is a brilliant example of someone who has created a super successful side hustle, doing just that. Sarah Morano of the popular blog and YouTube channel The Average Tourist aims to help others working nine to five make the most of their travels. She understands the desires and pain points of her audience because she too is someone who continues to work at her corporate job while also making time to travel and grow her blog. I loved my conversation with Sarah because she is a wonderful example of what is possible when you are passionate and consistently show up despite having limited time and resources. She also reminds us that you don't have to want your side hustle to eventually become your full-time gig. If you're happy in your career and you enjoy the work that you're doing, you enjoy the stability that it allows, but you also enjoy putting some creative entrepreneurial energy into the side business that is just your own, then embrace that. Regardless of what your initial intention is with starting a side hustle and whether it does eventually become your full-time job, the skills and discipline that you learn when running a side hustle alongside a full-time job are invaluable. Sarah is extremely relatable and down-to-earth, her passion is magnetic, and the insight she shares on how in the world she manages to continually publish new blog posts, create new YouTube videos, and grow her following on social media is both inspiring and super helpful. So without further ado, let's hear from Sarah Morano of The Average Tourist. All right, hello, Sarah. Welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I think I'm more excited because as I was just saying off the recording, I am blown away by how much content you are putting out whilst still being a full-time employee for a corporate job. Like I was looking at your YouTube channel, your blog posts, uh, you offer travel planning services, your Instagram is super popular. I'm fascinated by how you are managing all of this. So I can't wait to get into that part of the show. But before we do that, let's just hear about your background, where you're from, how you got into travel, how you came up with the idea for The Average Tourist.
0: Sure. So... I'm from Ontario, Canada. I've lived here all my life. I went to university for English and then went to college for corporate communications and public relations, and that's how I ended up in a corporate communications nine-to-five type role. Uh, I've always loved to travel. My parents used to take us on vacations when we were little, and we would do camping and different types of adventures. And they took us to Disney World for the very first time when I was 14. And so that was my first flying experience. And we went to Epcot and they have all of the different world pavilions there. So it was my first kind of view of what's out there in the world. And I can remember being in the Germany pavilion and I was just like blown away that there were Mm -hmm. all of these different places in the world that I could go and actually visit, not just at Walt Disney World. But that was the very first moment that I was like, wow, I need to see the world. And so uh, we did more trips growing up with my family. But then when I was in my 20s, that's when I really started to to go out and see places on my own and to really experience other things. And, and ever since I remember that time in the Walt Disney World Pavilion, I was like, I have to, I have to see the world. And so that's kind of where my passion for travel stemmed from. And then why I was working my corporate job and, you know, writing memos and emails and things like that wasn't really bringing out my creativity and my creative writing and ideas and things like that. It's very limiting sometimes. So I went and I took a social media marketing course that helped me hone my creative writing skills and I actually started a different blog way before I started The Average Tourist and it was called The Crafty Vegetarian. So I was posting vegetarian recipes and different like DIYs and crafts, but then I became not vegetarian <laughs> and and I <laughs> thought like my real passion is travel. So why don't I do that? So that's how I kind of created The Average Tourist. Um, and I picked the name. Some people, tourist means not the greatest thing to some people. They think, oh, just you're just a tourist or you don't really know, you don't immerse yourself into the culture. But I feel like it's not a negative thing to be a tourist. Like, I want to go and I want to see all of those places. I want to see all of the attractions that that a place is known for, right? I want to see all of that. I also want to experience some of the more localized cultural aspects, but I don't think it's bad to be a tourist. And working in a corporate nine-to-five job, you only have limited amounts of vacation. So when I go, I want to just see as much as I can when I'm there because I never know when I'm going to get to go back. So that's kind of how the average tourist came to be. And I just started sharing more about my experiences to help other people who may want to do the same or who may not be able to just quit their job or take a whole bunch of vacation and go see the world. I love that. And there's such a huge market for people like that, because oftentimes we see
1: these influencers or travel bloggers who share the stories of their lives going from place to place, living out of a backpack, or you know, it's, it's a very romantic idea, which suits some people maybe, but there's a lot of people, I would say a majority of people who enjoy having the stability of a more normal job and having a home and a place to return to. And so I'm sure there's a lot of readers and listeners and watchers of your YouTube channel who can really relate to the content you're putting out.
0: I hope so. And that's something that I really do want to get across is that it's okay to make the most of what you can do. So if you can't afford luxury vacations or you can't afford to just quit your job and travel the world, that's okay. There are still tons of things that you can do, places you can go and see and experience. And travel doesn't have to be this unattainable thing. Like It can be created however you want it to be as expensive or inexpensive as you want it to be there is something for everyone and I really feel passionately about sharing all of the different ways you can travel so I I think that's something that I'm really trying to appeal to is the idea that it's for everyone everyone can can experience travel and you don't have to be a special person to do it you can just be an average person Mm -hmm. going out there and experiencing the world. Absolutely. And I love what you said about
1: how there's this negative connotation sometimes with being a tourist and people say, oh, you know, I'm a traveler or, you know, I delve deep into different cultures. And who's to say you can't do that as a tourist? And also what's wrong with enjoying going to the top of the Eiffel Tower or going to famous sites around the world? It's part of experiencing that. And if that's what you like, then who cares? There's, exactly. there's some judgment there and, and there definitely shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I did. I loved going to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Even though there were crowds, I loved it. And it's one of my favorite travel memories. Yeah, good. Uh, So what year did you start The Average Tourist? So I started it back in 2017. I was just about to go on a, an England, Ireland and Scotland cruise and to explore around. And I was like, this is the perfect time. I'm going to have a lot of content from this cruise and I can start sharing more about how I enjoyed the cruise, what it was like, the types of places that we stopped and my, my thoughts on them. And I started with that in 2017. And at the same time, I started dabbling in YouTube as well. So I wasn't really keen on jumping right into YouTube. I was more a fan of the written word because of my background in communications. And so I really focused more on the blogging aspect of things. And then over the years, I started just adding to the YouTube and getting a little bit more comfortable uh, sharing my thoughts on camera. But the blog was primarily my entry into travel blogging and vlogging.
1: That's great. And do you when you write a blog post, do you use that same content from the blog post and repurpose it onto your YouTube channel or is it pretty different?
0: I've started to try and do like a, a cross promotion. So, if I'm doing a script for my video, then I'll try and leverage that for a written blog post and add a little bit more detail and the links and some people like to read, some people like to watch videos. So, trying to appeal to two different audiences with as much of the same content as I can, but adding value in whichever format they prefer.
1: Yeah, it's true because the content, even if it's the same subject matter, the way that you convey it is very different because a lot of people who love reading blog posts don't necessarily watch YouTube and, and vice versa. So I guess figuring out how to cover the same sort of topics, but in a different way, must be quite tricky. How, what are some of the differences
0: you've noticed? I would say for a blog post, it's more, you get to kind of tell a story. You get to include your pictures and, and really make it more of an experience in that sense so that people can go through the journey with you. I find on my YouTube videos, people want chapters, right? They want to skip through content. They want to just get to the parts where they want the information. And you can do that on a blog post too, but I just find like the average time spent on my blog post pages is usually longer than the time spent on my videos. So people just skip through videos. Whereas like if you're reading a blog, usually you're there to actually like absorb the information and to take your own information from it. So uh, I think those are the main differences. And just I get to share my photography on the blog as well, which is, is fun too. Yeah. And actually,
1: speaking of that, your photography is amazing. I first found you over Instagram and I loved your photos. So anyone who's listening should definitely check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes. But it's another one of your (laughs) many skills, it seems.
0: Oh, thank you. And I'll have to shout out to my husband because he's a fantastic Instagram husband. He's always coming (laughs) up with ideas for photo poses and like, oh, look at this. We should stop and take a picture here. And he actually takes a lot of the pictures on my Instagram for me because when I'm in them, it's I haven't mastered the art of taking photos of myself with like remotes or anything. So he typically does that for me. So I'll give him a little shout out for that.
1: <laughs> That's very sweet. Incredible. So you started the blog in 2017, which isn't actually that long ago considering the sort of following you now have on Instagram. Some of your YouTube views have, I think, hundreds of thousands of views, which is incredible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When did you first start seeing real traction with your blog and you started seeing more uh, visitors to your site?
0: Yeah. So I would say in probably early 2019 is when I really saw a pickup on my blog, and I think I attribute that to Pinterest, actually, because I started a much more focused effort on promoting my blog on Pinterest and creating very shareable and like, click-worthy pins so that people would would want to actually click on it. So by sharing different tips and lists and things like that for packing lists or itineraries, uh, I found a lot of people were actually clicking and coming to my site from Pinterest. So that was when I really noticed the big um, push on my site and the, the numbers went up. And then in terms of my, my YouTube channel, I would say it was probably not until the end of 2019, which was really poor timing because it started to pick up and then boom, COVID hit. And that kind of put a wrench into into everything that I was doing, <laughs> and I'm sure many people in the travel and tourism industry felt the same at that point. That is tough. That's interesting what you say
1: about Pinterest, though. We had uh, Louise Cottrell, who is behind Travel Pinners, which is a company that she runs that specializes in helping travel businesses gain more traction on Pinterest. She was episode 13, and what I didn't realize about Pinterest, and she shared, was you can sh- reshare the same sort of li- links to the same blog content. You just need to continuously create new pins for that content. And it's a great way to, to get movement there. Is that something you do? Or can you talk us through your Pinterest strategy a little bit?
0: Yeah. So I don't actually, I don't do that very often, but I do notice that some of my posts bring in more traffic than others do. So I did go back and try and update all of the different images that I was using in my pins. So I created them all back before I had a a professional version of Canva and I was using just random things to create my pins. But I got my my format down and my my branding and everything, and now I I try to keep it fairly consistent, colors and vibrant images and catchy text. Like I found that that really helped with with the uh, pickup on Pinterest for that. Um, but I do think I need to revise my Pinterest strategy going forward, just to be more proactive about. Pinning and monitoring and really sharing more content. So, I'm definitely going to check that out so I can see what that's all about.
1: Yeah, definitely have a listen because it seems like, especially for bloggers and especially for travel bloggers, Pinterest is just such an incredible tool because I, I mean, I'm someone who also likes to do research for trips over Pinterest just because it's an image based search engine. So, it's a great Mm -hmm. way to get a sense of what's available in the places you're going. Definitely. I, I
0: love doing some research on Pinterest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How about for your Instagram? Has that just kind of grown as you're following on YouTube and your blog has grown or are there any particular marketing strategies you've done to boost that?
0: Yeah. So back before, like when I was starting my blog and everything, I was taking... As many free courses as I could that were being offered through like different Instagrammers on how to grow your following and how to um, how to gain more followers and engagement on your posts. And so at first, it's really I find it very could be very intimidating because you see a whole bunch of people with like thousands and thousands of followers, and you're you're just starting out and you you hardly have have any followers and and you're not getting the engagement you see. But I feel like the main thing I took away from all of the courses and research I did on that was consistency. And so really creating that consistency and adding value. So when I started, I started sharing tips and pairing it with my, my current or previous travel photos so that people had tips or information about a destination. And then once I started growing my following, I started to transition to actually post pictures with me in them instead of just <laughs> the destinations. And and then I was sharing a little bit more about myself and my journey and my opinions on different things. And, and now it's kind of a combination of location tips, just musings from my life and travels. And then also in 2020, I started um, my own travel agency as well. So I do plan trips and itineraries. I'm part of a, a host agency, but I'm an independent travel consultant. So then I started sharing more about like how to, how to travel, how I could help people travel, and really focusing in on those things as well. So I've kind of got a multi-prong approach to what I post on Instagram. And really, I just found being yourself and being authentic really comes across. Like you can tell when people aren't being authentic and it just works so much better when you are able to be yourself and just post helpful content as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting how you say you like have the different topics that you will post about. Cause I'm a big fan of Jenna Kutcher who is like a digital marketing genius. And she always says, pick five buckets and then you can just kind of, rotate between those five general things, maybe about you, or just, you know, maybe you share things about your family, maybe then do like trips that you go on, whatever it is. But for me, that's so much easier said than done, because I'm someone who's still at the stage of not being very willing to share myself on Instagram. I've got an Instagram for the podcast, and I Mm -hmm. tend to stick to just showing clips from interviews, that sort of thing. But it's one of my goals for this year is to finally get up the courage to show my face a little bit more. Uh, but it's tough. It's tough to put yourself out there.
0: Oh, it really is. And there's, there's definitely a whole bunch of, um, imposter syndrome and comparison that can really be off putting when you, when you start because you see other people who are succeeding. But something that I've really tried to, to take to heart is that everyone's at a different point in their journey, in their business, in their, in their whatever whatever they're creating. And, and they all come from a different place too. So it's like I have a full time job. That is my number one priority because I'm working for a company. In my free time and outside of work, I dedicate pretty much all of my time to my travel pursuits, whether it's my blog, my YouTube, my travel planning business. And because I have my full-time job, which I love, and it does take up sometimes more than a full-time job, it can be hard to find the time to dedicate to different things. So I can't compare myself to someone who is a full-time travel blogger or a full-time travel consultant or a full-time travel vlogger. Like, that is their job, and mine is currently a business, but it's a side business. It's not my full-time focus. So I always try to just temper everything I'm doing with. I can't do it all. I can do what I can do in the hours that I have, but it's just something I always try to... I kind of struggle with it sometimes, but I, I really come back to the whole idea that this is my side business and I don't want my passion to turn into something that I don't like because I do this because I love it. And I want to continue to love it. So sometimes it's nice to just take a break and just be gentle with yourself. And you don't have to do everything. You don't have to post every single day on Instagram and things like that. But I just have to keep reminding myself of that because those are one of the challenges of actually being a content creator and and having a side business as well. Absolutely. And like I said, at the start, I'm so impressed with the amount of
1: content that you're able to put out. I mean, I think the level of content you're putting out is admirable for someone who is doing this full time. So the fact that you're also managing another full-time position is just incredible. Uh So how do you do it? Like, do, do you stick to a schedule of publishing or writing certain content? Do you, what are, what are your productivity tips?
0: So I I love routines. I am always a routine kind of person, always have been. In the During the pandemic, actually, I found that I had all this extra time because I wasn't commuting. I used to spend about probably an hour and a half each way, so about three hours a day that I would be commuting. So I would get up at five o'clock in the morning and get myself off to work, and then I wouldn't get back until like 6.30 p.m because of the pandemic, I had all of that extra time. So I continued through the two years that I've been working from home to get up at five. And I use the time that I would normally be commuting to do, I would usually do my Instagram in the morning, or I would prep things during the morning so that I would be able to take my, you know, my nine to five, and then I can work after as well. So I try to time box everything so that I know I'm doing Instagram on Monday and Thursday this week or whatever works for my schedule and what I've got on the go, but time boxing is a really great exercise to keep you on track and to just know that, okay, I'm going to do 25 minutes of this task. Whatever I get done, I get done, but at 25 minutes, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take five minutes. I can scroll on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, and then you set that time. And when you get into that routine, it's so much easier to just stay on track because it's like you get a little reward, which is your break. And then you can kind of reset and then focus in on your next box of time. So it could be an hour the next time, but just making sure that you kind of set out what you want to accomplish for the day and then hold yourself to it. So it's sometimes harder than it sounds to to actually be very self-disciplined about things. And You know, sometimes I want to post a video at 8 a.m. on a Friday and I don't post it until like 8 p.m. And it's like, that's okay. You can't do everything. But just trying to remain consistent is is key, I think.
1: Yeah. And you do need to be gentle on yourself. Like I'm bad for writing long lists of all the things I want to accomplish in a day and then getting through like the first one and a half and feeling really bad about myself because I haven't Achieve this completely unattainable list of mine, but I've never tried time boxing. I do. I am. I do like working in blocks, but I've never done the twenty minutes off, on, and then five minutes off. But I think it would suit me. I'm also a routine person for the most part, so mm-hmm. I'd really like to try it. Um, I'm curious. Do you do? Are you working in batches? Like, do you focus on trying to get as much YouTube content in a certain amount of time, and then you move on to an entirely new task? Or is that something? Is that part of your productivity?
0: No, like, I feel like I could work on that for sure. But I I kind of just do what I feel like doing in the moment. So I used to try and do a lot of batch content for my Instagram and like pair pictures with the captions and things like that. But now I find I actually, for Instagram, work better with just like posting in the moment, because It's like what I want to say today and what I was thinking about saying like maybe a couple weeks ago when I drafted everything may not align. And then I found that I was wasting a lot of time trying to like Predict what I wanted to post, and it wasn't very timely. And it and I know it works for a lot of people, but I just personally didn't find it worked for me very well. So something that I do is that I save all of the different hashtags that I want in a very easy to copy way in my Google Sheets and like things like that that help me with my my speed and posting and and whatnot. And I have my system down in terms of like how I post on Instagram. But I don't find that working in batches uh, really works for me because I may not feel inspired. You know, like I have a goal to get my my upcoming video out this week. Maybe I'm not going to feel like like working on that when I when I thought I would. So I don't really hold myself to to I have to get something done or I have to get this this one thing done because maybe maybe something else is more interesting or or more, more timely or relevant, and I allow myself that flexibility. I just feel like as long as I post a blog post or a video, then I feel like, yes, I've accomplished something. That's great. We'll focus on next week, next week kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And I do, I think that that's a good point about maybe trying too hard to overcomplicating it a bit by planning too far ahead, sitting down and trying to think out these Instagram posts, when if you have a slightly more organic, natural approach, it doesn't feel so laborious. And it probably
0: comes across a a lot more natural and relatable as well. Mm -hmm. And I find that it also is more timely with what's going on in my life, what I'm doing on the weekend, like things like that. Another thing I really like doing is uh, behind the scenes. So I used to not share what was going on behind the scenes and, like, the real, the good, bad, and the ugly of travel. And so, like, when things weren't working out, it's like, oh, you can't share that because Instagram and, and like, the content creation world is just full of all these, like, idealistic paradise shots and all the things that are going well. But, I started sharing things that maybe didn't go so well, like the mistakes that I've made while traveling and and hopefully that other people won't make them too or that it can be like a learning for other people so that they don't have to waste their precious vacation time because I've shared a way to not encounter what we've encountered or something to that effect. But I find people really respond to that because it makes you seem like a real person. Nobody's perfect, people have, travel mishaps and and things like that and it's good to really just show both sides of of it. it nothing's perfect. Absolutely. And I know as a consumer that those are
1: the kind of blogs or content creators that I love the most because I I do identify with them and they begin to feel a bit more like a friend than this, you know, distant <laughs> just figure who mm-hmm. has this idyllic life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much more relatable.
0: Yeah, definitely. But it is nice to see all those idyllic photos and, <laughs> and places. Like definitely, I do love those too. So that's it's always good to have, have a good mixture of both. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So you've been in business for five years now. Have you mm-hmm. monetized? I mean, I know you're running a travel planning service or agency as as well, but have mm-hmm. you monetized your blog, your YouTube channel? And if so, what are some of the different income streams you have going on?
0: Yeah, so I did... Monetize my blog through Google AdSense. Um, so they, I do have ads that are posted on my blog. I was a little hesitant to do that at first, to be honest, because I didn't want people to be put off by the ads. And I have had a lot of learning in terms of like where to place them and how and and to get the best placement on things so it isn't overwhelming. But I do I do that, and I'll be totally honest. It's not a whole lot because, you know, it depends on the, the traffic to your site, right? So unless you have hundreds of thousands of page views, you're not going to be making so much money on your blog. You can quit your job. And I think that's that's a, something that people need to know is that you can do it, but it takes time to build up. And then I also was able to monetize my YouTube channel at the, in September of 2020. And so that was a really exciting moment for me because you have to have a certain number of subscribers, a certain number of watch hours, and then Google will monetize your YouTube channel. So that's kind of where I do make the most of my um, content creation money. But then in terms of partnerships and different like advertisements, I have been approached to do various things like that. But I also am very choosy about who I want to partner with, who I think would be a right fit for my brand. And so I actually don't do a lot of partnerships that come my way because I'm not a lifestyle blogger. I'm not into like the health and fitness world. I'm not a fashion blogger. So like unless it's really travel related or something related to Bettering travel, travel gadgets, those kinds of things. I really don't focus too much on the partnership aspect of things. Um, and then I am an independent travel consultant, so I do travel itineraries and planning, and do get my commissions from selling travel. So those are three different kind of uh, revenue streams I have from my travel. I guess you could say portfolio. I've got a few different things going on. <laughs>
1: That's great. Yeah, I think
0: it's so important to
1: stay in your lane because I think especially when you start getting offered these paid opportunities or free things, it's really tempting to say yes to everything. But your readers, your followers will see right through that. And that's the quickest way you can lose that following is is just appearing like you're not being honest or just chasing the money or chasing the freebies. Mhm. It's it's much better to just stick with what you do what you're passionate about what you blog about to begin with.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. And even like the posts that I do like all of my travel I pay for. I I don't I don't really do like sponsored trips or things like that because I want to be able to give my own fair and honest review of my experience and not feel like I'm being paid or it's being sponsored so I have to give it a good review. So I do I do all of that on my own and I'll reach out to them to say, "Hey, I'm coming to stay here. Um, not looking for any freebies, but just like, is it okay if I film here? Or things like that when I'm filming? Because a lot of places are kind of like, Oh, why do why do you have a camera out here? And <laughs> and so I do like to I do like to ask for permission when I'm visiting certain places and then other places it's just like a public setting, so I'll do it myself. But I think it's important to just maintain your integrity. Absolutely. If there
1: are listeners who are, you know, maybe they've thought about starting a travel blog for years, and they've just never actually taken the plunge. Do you have any advice for them? Or if you're starting a YouTube channel? And also, do you think it's still viable, particularly for starting a travel blog? Is it still viable to have success if you're starting in 2022? I feel like I've heard for years now that travel blogging is dead, but I keep finding more travel blogs that have started at later and later dates. But Mm -hmm. I don't know if we are eventually getting to a stage where it's starting to mellow out a little bit.
0: You know, I really have, I struggle with this one actually, because I heard that too. And I also heard like, you know, you should focus on short form video and you should do this and you should do that. I say, if you want to do it, just do it. It's going to be hard work. It's not going to be a huge success overnight. You could work at it for years and still not be able to leave your day job if that's your your goal. It really depends on the effort that you want to put in. And also, like, the joy and the positivity that it brings to your life. So if you're doing it just as like a get rich scheme kind of thing, I don't think it's going to be super successful. But if it is, that's awesome for you. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> but it's it's not something that you're you're just going to be like successful at right away. I don't think a few people do find that viral video or viral post and it does shoot them up in subscribers and followers and things like that but that's like the exception and not the rule and i would also just say that there is space for everyone there's tons and tons of niche content pieces that you can get into niche followings and you really just have to bring value and and people that resonate with you will follow you and i think that's the most important thing is that whatever you're doing for your audience or for your followers like Hopefully, it's adding value to them, whether it's entertainment, infotainment, information, um, help in whatever way. Like, I think that's the most important part is making sure whatever you're creating adds value. And even if only 10 people get value from that content, that's 10 people that didn't have it before. And I think that's still great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was Rachel Hill we had on the podcast
1: a while back. And she was talking to us about how it's the age of the micro influencer and how. It's not about having a massive audience and that appeals to a really wide variety of people. It's about having a core, a very small core group of people who completely align with whatever you're putting out. Um, And I thought that was really great advice. It feels like, you know, it's still attainable um, in Mm -hmm. this day and age, which is really inspiring.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, I think there's tons of really big content creators out there that have helped pave the way for people and show that this is a viable life path and you can do this for work and that's great. Personally, I do love having my stability of my full-time job, my home that I come home to after I travel, things like that, but I do also look and say, "Oh, that looks pretty interesting that they can go and just travel and and they're just nomads out there." And that's why it's such a cool space to be in because travel can be what you want it to be and you can make it whatever works for your lifestyle and for your preferences. So this is what really works for me and um, I hope that whoever's out there that's working their nine to fives um, and wants to travel on the weekends and use their vacation finds my content helpful because they are my niche audience and I'm, I'm doing this to help other people like me who want to maximize their vacation time. So that's that's kind of the impetus behind it for me. And I have to keep coming back to that all the time. Like, that's what I was trying to do. That's what I want to keep doing. I love that. And
1: it definitely, I mean, you're definitely doing it, um, which is so inspiring. Uh, I have to ask, what What are your plans for the future? What are some of your goals? I mean, you've built such an incredible business. You're working in a few different avenues what do you see for the average tourist in the next, you know, three to five years?
0: Yeah. So I actually, because of COVID, it really changed my outlook on travel. And I never really viewed traveling around my area as travel. Like as as silly as that seems, like I I thought you had to travel internationally for it to be real travel. And now we we actually just bought a, a little travel trailer. So this summer, we're going camping all summer. And so I'm going to be sharing local content here in Ontario and some of our provincial parks and experiences that you can do locally, which I think um, will be obviously a niche market. But with gas prices soaring and like different things, it's making travel much more expensive. So I'm trying to showcase some of the more accessible options that are here around our local area. Um, but I do want to continue going internationally and I really do love cruising and all inclusives and, and just different things like that and sightseeing. So, uh, I'll probably incorporate more of that in the future and just continue to, to share tips and, and helpful information for travel for anyone who's following me. I don't know beyond five years, like, uh, it's really, who knows what the future may hold. We didn't see COVID coming and that kind of threw a curveball for everyone. And at the same time, that's actually when I became a travel consultant. Uh, Really poor timing. So I think I'm going to also take the next three to five years to really focus in on building out my uh, clientele for my travel consultancy and really helping people to get out and explore and see the world. So kind of have a few different things going on there. But I just, I just want to keep loving it. I just want to keep loving travel and putting out helpful content. And I don't have a big vision to grow this into a huge company or anything like that. It's really, it's really my passion. I love helping people plan their vacations um, and really get out and see the world. And I think as long as it's bringing me joy, that's what I'm going to be putting out for, for other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Your passion is absolutely infectious. So I wish you the best of luck in all these exciting projects that you've got going on. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be less listeners who would love to learn more about you, read your blog, watch your YouTube videos. Uh, Where are the best places for people to find you?
0: Yeah, so you can follow, I think lots of people have Instagram these days. So you can follow me at The Average Tourist. And my blog is theaveragetourist.com. So those are the the main ways to get me. And my YouTube channel is also just youtube.com slash theaveragetourist. So those are the three best places to reach me if you want to follow any of my content. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been an
1: absolute pleasure. And I hope you have the best time camping around Ontario. That's the summer. It sounds
0: great. Thank you so much. I really loved being here and uh, I wish you all the best with your podcast. Cheers. Thank you.